0: Coming up on what women want to know.
1: There was a young girl who was being molested by her uncle and she tried to tell her mom, but they called it cookie. So she kept saying that a mommy uncle is playing with the cookies, playing with the cookie, you know, and if you're using the correct terminology, there is no confusion. She said vulva, he touched my vulva. You know she meant he touched her vulva.
0: I'm your host, Dr. Adana, and this is what women want to know. The show where we navigate the complex, fascinating, and sometimes intimidating world of women's health and well-being. Here, we create a safe, judgment-free space where no topics are off-limits. We confront our fears, we embrace our vulnerabilities, and we find humour in the unexpected. Welcome to What Women Want to Know. Before we get into today's conversation, I want to personally invite you to join our growing community. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and turn on your notifications so that you know when a new episode is live. If you're listening on Spotify or any other platform for that matter, hit that follow button and leave us a review. It helps us grow as a community and ultimately reach more women who need to be part of these conversations. In a world where societal norms and taboos often stifle open and honest conversations about women's health and bodies, it's time to break free from the silence. On the show today, we're delving deep into a crucial and often overlooked aspect of women's health and empowerment. The use of correct anatomical terms like vagina and vulva. Join us as we embark on a journey to end censorship, smash the stigma and taboo, and open up life-changing conversations surrounding this vital topic. By doing so, we aim to not only empower women with knowledge, but also potentially save lives in the process. Our guest today is Dr. Aziza Sese a GP with a special interest in women's health and the driving force behind the movement to revolutionize how we talk about women's bodies. She's a leading force in dismantling the barriers that have silenced these conversations for far too long. With her extensive knowledge and unwavering commitment to addressing pressing issues that affect women's lives and well-being, I cannot think of a more perfect guest to shed light on this transformative topic. Please welcome Dr. Aziza Sasseh what women want to know very very lovely to have you on the show dr Sese. <laughs>
1: good to see you dr adana
0: i have been a fan of your work and i think very recently call it the algorithm call it whatever but everywhere i look like your content pops up and I love it because you are a strong advocate for women's health and well-being which is what this show is all about but I have to say that the one thing that really piqued my interest when I was like hey Aziza you're joining my show we need to talk about vaginas and vulvas (laughs) I was on LinkedIn and then your post came up Where someone had asked you the question, you know, about you slowly becoming a vagina doctor and why are you advocating for this conversation? Why is it so important to use the correct anatomical term like vaginas and vulvas when it comes to conversations about women's health and body?
1: Yeah, I love that question. That's my favorite question. And one thing that I'm always carrying around is this.
0: You know what this is, guys? Oh, my God. Is that my vagina? (laughs) No girl this is your vulva of course i know but you know people get it wrong that's the purpose of the exactly, education right, right? Get it wrong so vulva
1: yeah. internal gynae anatomy vagina vagina i yeah. always say this and this is a big shout out to karen hobbs who works for the eve appeal vagina has the word in i n so it's inside everything that you see on the outside is the vulva and the vagina opening is just here But yeah, no, it's a really big thing for me. And like you say, I'm a massive, massive women's health, gynecological health advocate. And the reason that the terminology is so important is threefold. One, it's that there are so many people who are suffering in silence, right? Because they don't want to come forward about issues in that region, because there's a lot of taboo, there's a lot of stigma, there's a lot of shame. So they're literally there suffering in silence. And also, if they don't know the correct terminology, if they don't know that they're getting pain in their vulva, not their vagina, or the exact names of the different parts of the vulva, then when they go and see their health clinicians, they may get the wrong area examined. And I always say this example, but it's true. There was an elderly woman who put off seeing her doctor for so long, and then finally, she had the confidence to go in. she saw... So- a male physician and she explained she was having trouble down there she didn't use the correct terminology mm-hmm. and he assumed she meant anus so her anus was checked and not her vulva yes which meant that she continued to suffer oh. in pain so that's the second reason so that you're able to confidently talk about the area of discomfort or wherever you're having your symptoms and the third and last thing and I'm gonna say trigger warning for anybody watching again this is a big passion of mine I have children I have a doctor daughter she knows how to say vulva and that's all she's known that is the name of her body part of that part of her body because that is the anatomical name And it's because you don't want any confusions. Again, talking about stories, there was a young girl who was being molested by her uncle and she tried to tell her mom, but they called it cookie. So she kept saying that a mommy uncle is playing with the cookies, playing with the cookie. You know, and if you're using the correct terminology, there is no confusion. She said vulva, he touched my vulva, you know She meant he touched her vulva and that's inappropriate. So that's why I'm so passionate about this. I just feel like um, the taboo and shame needs to go away. We are losing lives because people aren't coming forward early and they're getting diagnosed late. We are having people suffering in silence, unable to live their life because of the discomfort they're in. And then unfortunately we're having children who are being molested and
0: no, enough is enough. Enough is enough. And I wonder, I mean, I being Nigerian, I grew up in a household where these names weren't mentioned. I thought it went beyond just my family, the entire society. What's your take living in Western in society. Do you think that's any different? Do you think that people living here are more comfortable using the anatomical words or do you think this is just the general global issue
1: I definitely think it's a general global issue 100% I mean it's not even the words vulva and vagina even the word period the word period wasn't used on American TV until 1984 when Courtney Cox talked about it in a tampon commercial I believe that was the first time they said the word I feel like because of patriarchy people call me a feminist I don't hate men but I'm a feminist I believe in you know equal right sign <laughs> but yeah it is definitely I mean obviously in certain cultures it's much worse it is global maybe there's a little bit more comfort in certain parts of the west but again it's a generational thing the older generation no way they still don't talk about it they still use the euphemisms. and I feel like what's really sad is that we then pass it on to our children we pass on this shame and stigma to our Mm -hmm. children because we don't use the correct terminology I see patients who tell their daughters okay come on the the doctor's going to examine your moof moof
0: what is a moof moof girl (laughs) what is a moof moof you know she's like you know we
1: want to use like gentler words but why are we saying that vulva and vagina isn't gentle why why are we ingraining this in them at such a young age and when i talk about this and i don't just mean girls need to know the correct words even boys boys need to know that it's penis and not ding dong because i had uh someone else tell me (laughs) Oh Willie! <laughs> Someone else told me that after I, she heard me talk, she's like, oh my God, I felt so empowered. And I told my son that actually his penis is called penis. And the next question he asked her was, oh, okay, then what's the real name of my elbow? And then it was like, oh, now he's thinking, wait, okay, there was another name for penis. Yeah. Why? Why wasn't there another name for everything Why? else? Yeah. Just like your head, shoulder, knees
0: and toes. Bulba, yeah. penis, testicle. I think it wasn't until I went to med school yeah. that I thought, oh, we're using these terms now. And I actually also thought that these are terms that we use within the four walls of a hospital and to our patients, educate them. But more and more, as you know, I grow older and wiser, and as I have become a parent, and as I've also become the mother of a girl child i think it's so important to have these conversations using the right terms because like you said how will i know god forbid if something needs to be reported and i think it's very very important so again back to your work and your advocacy i'm definitely co-signing on that (laughs) for sure what women want to know How can parents and educators play a role in teaching the next generation about the importance of accurate terminology? And when I say this, I mean literally, besides us just saying, yes, it's okay, you know, tell them the right words. It's not that easy. It's
1: not. And I think part of it is again, you have to work on yourself and your shame. And I hear you when you say that you grew up differently, girl. I grew up differently. You know, and I think about myself as a kid, and if she saw me now, she got, oh, what is happening? <laughs> She's always carrying a ball, but who is this person? I don't know. I grew up in Saudi Arabia, okay? And it was a very different environment. Look, I didn't even know the words vulva or vagina until perhaps medical school, if I'm completely honest, right? I didn't know the difference, anything like that, because we called it private parts. That was it, you know what I mean? So I feel like what's really important when we're having these discussions, I don't think we need to make such a big deal about it. It should just be one of those things. Like, you know, you've taught them different words for their face, their eyes, their nose, and so on again in a matter-of-fact way, this is your vulva. That's it. Try to, I think definitely we need to work on our own shame and our own embarrassment that we don't pass it on to our children. We need to watch ourselves and our reactions to it as well. Because once you remove the hypersexualization that's associated with vulvas, vaginas, breasts, anything that has to do with women's bodies, and you just have a matter-of-fact conversation and actually look at it outside of that box of of sex. It becomes much, much deeper. Again, I know I always say this, but I see it a lot. As a GP, I see patients who come to me about something else, and then because they feel comfortable, then they open up about something that they've been suffering with for years. Something as simple Mm. as thrush. I remember treating a patient for thrush, and she came back and said, I changed her life, but she never spoke about it. And thrush is a fungal infection that can be very easily treated, and if it's not, it's the most uncomfortable thing to go through. So let's have these... Conversation. That's why I'm really proud of you uh, yeah. for opening up this platform and having this uh, frank, of course. uncensored conversation.
0: Of course, you're right, and I definitely agree. You can't teach what you don't know, and you can't teach what you don't feel comfortable with. So, really, the emphasis is on addressing our own shame, our own discomfort around these topics, so that we remove this hypersexualization around it and the taboo. And then, when we feel comfortable, we can teach people around us a hundred percent and the thing is it's mm. possible
1: and i'm saying this from my personal experience it's possible i used to be someone who would wince yeah. who would be shy who would be ashamed even talking about periods and period products i used to hide you know pads and like oh my god i don't want and if, if it's a male clerk, i just like oh my god i hope he doesn't see it i hope he doesn't judge me and it's like this is a natural process that over 50 percent of the world goes through why are yeah. we hiding it it's not dirty it's not indecent. It's just part of our yeah. biology. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when you talk about myths and misconceptions, yeah, one of them is yeah. periods. Periods are just a natural process. It's nothing to do with how many toxins yeah. you have in your body. It's basically the hormonal changes that cause the womb lining to thicken. <laughs> and then because the hormone levels yeah. drop, it gets out as a period. And period blood just has the lining of the womb that's shed, vaginal discharge, and cervical mucus. But, that is yeah. it, nothing else. And Just because you have periods doesn't mean that you should endure severe pain and that's normal and it's acceptable and your periods are supposed to be heavy and if it's heavy it's good it means you're getting rid of toxins all of these things just need to be thrown in the bin because you are having people who are suffering who are missing school missing work who are unable to mm. live their lives because of the narrative that okay heavy painful period is just one of yeah. those things
0: I attended an event about the gender pain gap where there's a lot of statistics around women's pain and how they're trivialized when they go to their GPs it's one of those things get over it man up use a hot water bottle women's health is such a big topic we all go through we all suffer from but i think suffer really is the key word because We really do suffer because a lot of the conversations are not had openly. We feel very ashamed about some of the things our natural body goes through. We walk into clinical settings where we don't feel comfortable talking about this with maybe a male physician. There are cultural aspects surrounding this sort of conversation. So I think the more we talk about it, the more we we normalize it.
1: Absolutely. And shout loudly. (laughs) You know, people can look at you crazy, but let us have these conversations because honestly it is about damn time you know I feel like there's definitely a movement now which is brilliant and I hope that we continue to push this momentum and let's keep talking about it because when we talk about women's health and gynecological health when we talk about the Mm. research or lack thereof there's so many gynecological conditions that exist and we don't know why they happen until now because they haven't Mm. done the research and at the moment a lot of them don't have cures because we haven't done the research I mean I read somewhere that it's like one or two percent of research on women
0: is the overall yeah. amount when you take our cancer right which is a big one exactly
1: how we make up 51 percent of the population it is yeah. insanity and
0: this is why we're here right this is the movement this is us jumping on the movement again when i think about where i'm coming from where i was and where i am now there's a huge shift as a matter of fact when i had my first son nearly eight years ago you know we refer to his private part as a willy. I feel very embarrassed saying this but it's because this was my first experience at motherhood and I grew up in a society where we called vulvas and penises private parts so then I thought well private part is probably a mouthful for you know a child that's just starting to talk so maybe Willy. and i said Willy, not because i chose it but because like i would go to clinical settings or play group settings where that was the norm right and so this highlights the need to not only make women comfortable with using the correct anatomical terms but also men also boys because these are the people that grow up to be our peers these are the people that grow up to be our of physicians and brothers and fathers and everyone needs to be comfortable with this
1: a hundred percent. And when we have yeah. these conversations, men need to be included in this conversation. They have to be involved. They have to know what's happening. Because like you say, they become our colleagues, they become our partners, they become our fathers, yeah. you know, or our brothers and so on. And sometimes mm. we as as women may not quite know certain things. Like say, for instance, a boy who was taught and then he gets married, mm. his partner is bleeding after intercourse. And she's like, oh, it's fine. It's just one of those things. And he knows, actually no, I learned that that is a red flag symptom and you shouldn't dismiss it. Go and see your doctor. That's why we need to get them involved so that they can Mm. also push and become our advocates and become our allies. They need to be included. Don't separate them. Don't separate the boys from the girls when you're having period conversations, period education. Have it together and then, yeah, maybe have a space where they're separate just for a little bit of time because girls can be shy. But they need to do it together. You know, you're not supposed to just leave the boys to have a conversation about, I don't know, wet dreams and putting condoms on and then the girls about not getting pregnant. Mm. We really need better education and we definitely need it for the next generation because <laughs> our education was atrocious and <laughs>
0: terrible. Oh um, gosh, I know. I watched something recently where someone said we really have to forgive our parents yeah. because they only pass down what they need. Yeah. And the same way that in the future we will be asking for our kids' forgiveness. Yeah. Because as much as you think you're so woke, there's so many things that they will grow up to think is weird. Yeah. You know, so it's just the the openness to do better when you know better right
1: absolutely and then i always yeah. say this again why i'm so 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 passionate about education 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 you do not know what you do not know so mm. please listen learn be willing be eager mm. we can't know everything i'm learning things all the time from everyone yeah. i'm even learning things from my my kids yeah, <laughs> you know yeah I me mean? too so just be open to learn right.
0: What women want to know. We're taking a break to bring you what women want to share. Shirley from Alabama said, I can still, at 66 years old, remember my first menstruation. Imagine being 13 and thinking you were slowly bleeding to death from your private area. Somewhat in pain, afraid to tell anyone for days. I truly worked hard to change the narrative for my daughters. I bought books, held open conversations with them about their bodies from as early as I thought they would understand and prayed daily I was providing adequate and necessary information. I am blessed to have raised to adulthood five amazing daughters and I pray my openness has enabled them to be more appreciative and receptive of the changes we experience in womanhood. Wow. Thank you so, so much for sharing, Shirley. Congratulations on raising five beautiful daughters and you did your best. At the end of the day, you can't teach what you don't know and your best is what you thought was best for your children at the time. The same way that I'm here, I'm the mother of both boys and a girl and I hope that in raising them, I would teach them but especially my daughter everything she needs to know about growing up as a woman. I hope by sharing these conversations on this platform that young women will feel like they have a manual to help them navigate life. Thank you so so much for sharing. For our listeners and our viewers, what's your take on Shirley's comment? And what stories would you like me to share in next week's episode? If you're watching on YouTube, please share your stories down below in the comments and I will read it out and comment on it in next week's episode. If you want to remain anonymous, you can of course email me your stories. All of the information will be either in the description bar below or in the podcast notes what women want to know I was going to touch on something you mentioned earlier which is don't separate the conversation of you know boys from girls but also have that space that we can come to occasionally because conversations like this we have to create the space because people are shy you know as a growing woman and I actually confronted that bias when I launched this show, What Women Want to Know. And I remember thinking like, oh, is this going to exclude men? Because that's not what I'm trying to do. But then I justified it by thinking that women, regardless, need that space that they feel safe to have conversations that's about them for them. And then we take away what we want other people to know, especially men, and then bring them in on the conversation. Because obviously, the more... allies (laughs) allies yeah. <laughs> we yeah. have the the better the world for yeah. everyone and I really wanted to touch on that because that was something I had to confront very very recently yeah. you know we're starting this show that could feel like it's excluding yeah. men but yeah. really and truly when we have these conversations even though we're saying hey this is what women's parts are called yeah. feel comfortable talking about it feel comfortable yeah. mentioning vulva and yeah. vagina like whilst we want women to to do that yeah. we initially want to cut across to people who have otherwise not feel comfortable maybe come from societal structures where that's not the norm Mm -hmm. so that eventually when we empower them you know people like us who are further on this journey we feel like oh we don't give a shit it's got vulva (laughs) it's got vagina once we empower those women then they can then say hey i'm bringing this man involved my husband my brother my dad and and i think that's a powerful way to look at it like we we do need silos but at the end of the day we still need that borderline arena
1: of course and the thing is with these conversations they can listen to this episode by themselves and really take it in and have that conversation within themselves Mm. and deal with their own insecurities maybe their own demons and so on and Mm. then maybe they'll play it again in the background whilst their husband is around (laughs) and then that brings up the conversation yeah we need to be realistic it's not for everyone immediately and there are still people that again are still getting used to it and you don't throw it in people's faces and again this is why i use this crochet vulva because ultimately when you look at this it could look like a kid's toy to be honest right Um, it it, it it doesn't
0: look like a kid's toy it does not <laughs>
1: Girl, it's not immediate like oh you're a medic so you probably immediately maybe immediate. that's why i guess it's a gentler approach that i remember i showed a picture of a line drawing it was a line drawing and it was like <gasps> i know that all right fine, let's just stick with this okay, to but like a gradual thing you ease it in you ease the conversation in and i think yeah
0: Okay, I was going to ask, what other strategies or initiatives have you been involved in to promote these open conversations? Because I mean, personally, because I follow you on all of your platforms, which I will leave for all of the listeners to find you. (laughs) you. But I'm very privy to these conversations, right? To all of what you're involved in and how much you're advocating for these use of the right anatomical words Mm. but I wonder whether are you involved in any wider initiatives or can you suggest wider initiatives so if we're talking about people from societies where having conversations like these are not the norm, what is your advice on how they can start the conversation?
1: So I think that's a brilliant question and actually what's really amazing is that there are so many campaigns and I'm probably seeing it more because again what you look at a lot you see and it's just one of those things. When we talk about organization I'm an ambassador for Wellbeing of Women which is an Mm. incredible women's health charity in the UK it's one of the biggest ones and they do so many great campaigns and I was an ambassador for a recent campaign called Just a Period because it's never Mm just a period. Get checked. Don't be gaslit. Always advocate for yourself. Always push because there may be underlying conditions. Like Eva Peel, I'm also an ambassador for and I work quite closely with them. They are the UK's leading gyne cancer charity and they provide a plethora of information on all of the five main gynecological cancers. So that's ovarian, womb, cervical, vaginal and vulval cancer. And they do loads of different campaigns. So there's a Get Lippy campaign which is essentially about this. We're getting lippy okay
0: we're talking we are talking
1: about vulva's (laughs) vagina we don't care about the censorship and then there's Joe's cervical cancer trust which is amazing there's black women rising uk which is a black women cancer charity again incredible and let's be real look i'm gonna get into the racial aspect you never really see black Women on campaigns. You don't see us in cancer campaigns, breast cancer, womb cancer. We have the worst outcomes in those cancers. We always get diagnosed late. And unfortunately, yeah, breast cancer survival rate, the mortality rate, sorry, is 40% higher in black women than white women. We aren't the faces. And again, this is another reason why I'm passionate about this because I I want more of us to be on the forefront. I want people to see us because you don't associate certain conditions with you. If you don't see yourself in it, if you don't see other people advocating for you or being diagnosed with it, I always say that if you're in the UK and you want to find out information, yes, I know social media is there. Please be careful who you follow. Make sure that they are reputable and they follow evidence-based scientific information. Go on to NHS UK, they have some great information on their patient UK as well. But most importantly, if you are struggling, please see your doctor. Yeah. Don't don't go on TikTok. I mean, we want to see you. We will never, ever judge you. Mm. And I know some people haven't had the best experience with their doctor, but please don't give up. Mm. Please seek a second opinion. Please seek a third or a fourth Mm. opinion. Go in with someone else to push for you. Ask questions. You can ask Mm. questions. Just know that you are the CEO of your body, Mm. and nobody knows your body better than you. So if you think that something is wrong, please keep pushing.
0: Sorry, I wanted to touch on, actually, you saying people being careful about going on. Social media, and I think that's why I appreciate the rise of healthcare professionals or creator professionals like yourselves, right? Who you know, you have the background, you have the experience, you have the knowledge, and because we know that more than half of the world's population is on social media, we know that people are literally on social media for many hours a day, and that's the first place they tend to turn to. That's why I Genuinely appreciate people like yourselves, doctors, to say, and you know the host of all the social media health creators, which five, six, seven years ago did not exist. You know that it was considered very unprofessional for doctors to have a social media. I think it
1: still is for some. (laughs) Some people still think it is.
0: Yeah, exactly. You're like, I'll see
1: you in five
0: years. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you're gonna get first mover advantage by then. But for sure, I think just to echo what you're saying, if you are gonna look on social media make sure that it's from a trusted site and youtube are doing a great job verifying the platforms of qualified healthcare professionals so definitely double check that before taking any medical advice online but i will share all of the resources that you've mentioned we're coming from a place of we've studied this We're living through it. We're moms. We're we're doing our best to teach our children how to use these words and to feel comfortable using the correct anatomical word. But what I found is there is a spectrum, right? We're so far removed from the person who is really just making a first step. And as easy as it is to say, have that conversation, talk about it, maybe watch this video, maybe play it in the background. Yeah. Would you say that there's a pre-first step where a young girl who comes from a society where this is not normal, is it fair to say that the first practice is literally looking at yourself in the mirror and repeating vulva like five times a day? Yeah. Would yeah. you say that's a fair first step? I think
1: familiarizing yourself with the word, also removing or disassociating the shame, the stigma, the insult that's Mm. associated with the word, all the negativity that's associated with that. Move it all away and gain the confidence to love your vulva. It's beautiful. It's unique. It's different. No two person has the same vulva. One of the things I'm going to say again, talking about our color is you don't see the representation of our vulvas anywhere. I mean, when you look at vulvas, it's always this perfectly hairless peach color colored vulva. You don't see a black vulva, or just the different types that exist. And this will have, you know, a negative impact on someone who looks at what's out there and thinks, oh my God, mine looks nothing mm. like this. There's something wrong with yeah. me. And unfortunately, there is a rise in a procedure called labiaplasty, where, yeah. you know, they cut bits of like the inner lips and try and make it all symmetrical and perfect. And actually, that can be quite dangerous and damaging. It can cause nerve damage. It can cause scarring. It can cause so many other issues. I mean, they're there for a reason, mm. right? They help with the loop and moisturizing, moisturizing everything and they help to make sex more pleasurable so yeah we need to have more representation out there and we also need to encourage each other mm-hmm. to look at our own vulvas and not just to familiarize ourselves with it you know get in touch with our bodies but also because it's important that you know what your normal is and yes. this is the case for everything yes. know what your normal breasts are like know what your normal vulva is like and if you're a man your testicles and your skin and your nails and your mouth and all of that
0: sorry Dr to say how does one examine their vulva all right let's do it you're not about to show me are you
1: I, let me get a let me get her, you know, her no i don't need to show you And a really quick fire away, make sure your hands are clean make sure that you're in a room where the it's well lit and make sure that you're comfortable so you can decide the, the position you want to be in whether you want to sit down with your legs open whether you want to squat whether you want to have one leg perched up whatever is most comfortable for you then just pop the mirror right in between your legs and look. You want to look all over, you know? You want to look at the mons pubis, the labia majora, so the outer labia, you want to look at the inner labia, you want to look all around, you want to look in between, you want to look at the vestibule, your urethral opening, the clitoris, my favorite part. The clitoral hood, the vaginal opening, all around down to the perineum. And after you've looked, then have a feel, and you want to properly feel all around the area, everywhere. What are
0: we looking for when we feel our vulva? (laughs)
1: Whereas you're looking to see if there are any skin changes. Is there any white patches? Any red patches? Are there any uh, sores? Are there any moles? Any new moles? If you've always had a mole, has it changed? Has it gotten bigger? Is it bleeding? Is it itchy? Is it darker? That kind of thing. Is there any discharge coming out? What color is the discharge? So any changes that you wouldn't, expect to see in your vulva okay and when you're feeling around you want to feel to see if there are any bumps are there any areas of soreness are there any areas that just feel lumpy or just not quite right
0: I guess that highlights the importance of regularly checking because I mean how would you know something looks abnormal you should even know what normal looks like to begin with right? so that really highlights because when we feel comfortable doing the Things, then we can spot very early on when there's a problem, and then we can get help early on. Right. Yes, yeah.
1: And when that happens, if we do get diagnosed with something sinister, which is rare, the hope is that it's picked up early mm-hmm. and that then treatment is more likely to be less invasive so, and more successful yeah. and potentially curative. And that's mm-hmm. why it's so important that we know our normal, because even if it's the tiny, teeniest, tiniest little mm-hmm. bit, you know what looks normal to you and you're like, oh, wait, that wasn't there before. Yeah. Get seen right away. Yeah. So, yeah, get comfortable with looking and feeling your vulva your breast, your <laughs> chest your skin, your nails your mouth, all of those things know your normal, and when I say yeah. know you're, you're normal I also mean that when it comes to your menstrual cycle, know what your cycles are like, mm-hmm. know what happens to your discharge throughout the month because it does fluctuate, just know how you, you change, what your energy levels are like, what your yeah. mood is like because girl, my luteal phase, my husband <laughs> he just leaves me alone <laughs> He's like Man, this one
0: is crazy. Have, oh, we've all been you. there. <laughs> Shout out yeah. to wise partners who just know when to back off. <laughs> okay, so the last thing we're going to touch on is the censorship. Let's talk about Instagram. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could use some words about your body parts that yeah. they literally take down, you know. So let, let's talk about censorship on these social media platforms. What yeah. what is your take I, on that and what what has been your experience?
1: It's exhausting. I'm so frustrated. But not just me, everyone who's in this space who's talking about gynecological health or even sex education. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, even though we have AI and technology is advanced so much, they're still unable, yeah, to differentiate between health information that's educational, that's yeah. life-saving, that's yeah. scientific and evidence-based, mm-hmm. versus Pornographic and explicit content. They mm. just merge it all together. So unfortunately, yeah. there have been many times where I have experienced what we call shadow banning, where my content is not visible, not only to my viewers or my followers, but also to any new potential followers. And it's yeah. frustrating because then I have to censor myself and that's yeah. one of the only ways that I can combat the algorithm but then I feel yeah. like I'm perpetuating the situation I'm actually pandering to what they want which I don't want to do but then I want the information to be out there okay. and I yeah. want people to be able to see it and access it and learn from it but if I do it the other way they won't and it's a catch-22 and I'm over here you know arguing yeah. with myself and it just shouldn't happen and it's not just Instagram it's all of them even LinkedIn open. LinkedIn censored vulva and clitoris I had a conversation with. With the BBC about censorship and that's the irony okay. and BBC put the subtitles everything was fine but the subtitles the auto generated captions from mm. LinkedIn it censored vulva and clitoris and I feel like that is exactly what perpetuates this shame and embarrassment because yeah. then people think oh yeah it's, it's censored that means they're bad words they are not bad words oh <laughs> they are just freaking words of course let's, let's stop this let's
0: change this so any tips for what to call this video because I literally was thinking check your vulvas and let's call it vaginas and penises. I suppose that's not going to go down well <laughs> with the platforms.
1: fortunately no, unfortunately it won't. Like when, when I say that you have to censor yourself I literally had to put space in like I would put va and then space gina. Vulve and then space va. And if I otherwise if I do it correctly nobody will see it.
0: Even when you verbalize it.
1: Yeah, sometimes the algorithm again picks up how you verbalize it but I don't I can't go that far. No, I, I still in my video On the actual video On the caption I don't censor myself On the actual video But I've had to In the past Censor my captions On Ah, Instagram Otherwise Again Or if you put Hashtag vagina Gone In fact The hashtag vaginal cancer was censored. Instagram said it's inappropriate. Unfortunately, it goes against community guidelines. And they had to really protest because it's like vaginal cancer. People are being diagnosed with vaginal cancer and finding out about the existence of vaginal cancer when they're diagnosed. You know how terrible that is? And then they can't even talk about it because freaking social media censors it. So it caused a massive uproar. But this is where if we all voice and challenge this, system to yeah. it makes a change because the hashtag was no longer hidden when we all pushed for it okay. this shouldn't have been hidden and you know what testicular cancer w- wasn't hidden prostate cancer wasn't hidden why was vaginal cancer hidden it's yeah. ridiculous it yeah. really feels like they're trying to control women because majority mm. of the words that are often hidden are words that are associated with women periods
0: yeah. PCOS, vagina, vulva, clitoris. Because our body parts are sexualized, right? So it's inappropriate when it's mentioned, yeah. but not the other way around for men. But anyway, we're here to stay. <laughs> we're about to get lippy <laughs> in this generation. Oh, listen, it's been such a pleasure, Dr. Sassay. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your insights with our community. I'm going to put all of your platforms for everyone to find you and to get comfortable talking about our anatomical pets correctly. So thank you. Thank you for spearheading this conversation and thank you for inspiring the next generation of women who are going to do better because we know better. (laughs) Yes.
1: thank you thank you so much for having me thank you for creating this space thank you for having this conversation openly and like i admire a lot of what you're doing so this is such an honor i was telling you earlier today that when i told my cousin oh i'm doing a podcast with dr adana she's like adana the doctor the one who's married to the german guy the one who used to do the dancing the youtube sensation i was like uh yeah
0: shout out to your cousin what's your cousin's name rahma (laughs) hi rahma (laughs) thank you for supporting me online i appreciate you what women want to know A big thank you to you for tuning into today's show. If you're watching on YouTube, please leave your comments below. I love reading and I love responding to them. Let me know what you enjoyed about today's conversation and what topics you'd love for me to unravel on this show. If you're listening as a podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. Your feedback not only helps me improve, but it also helps more women to find me. And don't keep us a secret. Share what we may want to know with your friends and your family. Not just the women in your lives, but also the men. Don't forget that you can find us on every social media platform, so make sure to follow along. That's our show for today. Remember, your health matters and it's okay to talk about it. Until next time, I'm Dr. Adana and this is What Women Want to Know.